Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. You're listening to the Visibly Fit Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Wendy Pett. And every week, I'll give you holistic, practical solutions for everyday issues related to nutrition, healing, functional fitness, and behavior modifications. As a naturopath, fitness expert, and wellness coach for over 20 years, my goal is to empower you to reach for greater health and to rise up to your next level of living in mind, body, and spirit. You were created with greatness in mind. It's time to own it. Are you with me? Then let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Visibly Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. This podcast is actually now a part of the Spark Media Network that can also be heard on the Edify app. So go check that out. Well, listen, if you are just tuning in for the first time ever to the Visibly Fit Podcast, you will be blessed, beyond blessed when you hear from my guest today, because maybe you have questions about, you know, there's always kind of two camps, sometimes three, four camps, <laughs> depending on um, what you're hearing in the media or what you're reading regarding health, regarding diet, nutrition, um, exercise, you name it. There's always kind of two sides of the coin, right? And so I have an incredible guest that um, hopefully will get a few of your maybe head scratchers answered. Um, but his name is J uh, James F. Loomis Jr. He uh, is an MD, MBA, uh, received actually his, he received his medical degree from the University of Arkansas, where he was elected to the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. Say all that five times fast, um, and graduated with honors. Yes, he's a smart one. He subsequently completed his internship and residency in internal medicine at Barnes Hospital, Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. And in addition, in addition to that, Dr. Loomis received an MBA from the Olin School of Business at Washington University in St. Louis. He is a board-certified um, he is board certified in internal medicine, is a diplomat of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and has also completed the certi uh, certification program in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University. Loomis is also a fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Dr. Loomis has served as team internist for the St. Louis Rams football team and the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team as well as tour physician for the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that one. He is currently the medical director at the Barnard Medical Center in Washington, D.C. And before coming to the Barnard Medical Center, he practiced internal medicine at St. Luke's Hospital in St. Louis, where he was also the director of prevention and wellness. He is on the clinical faculty of the Department of Internal Medicine and at George Washington University School of Medicine in Washington, D.C., and the Department of Preventative Medicine at Biostatistics at the 
Uniformed Services University for Health Sciences at Bethesda, Maryland. Oh my goodness. I'm telling you, the list goes on and on. This guy is, is <laughs> he's got a long list of uh, massive resume here. He speaks internationally. I, we actually just got through talking about several of his, of his travels, um, but he speaks internationally on the health benefits of a whole food plant-based diet and is featured in the documentary, my favorite one ever, The Game Changers. And when he is not practicing medicine, Dr. Loomis, he enjoys reading, cooking, teaching plant-based cooking classes, and he also enjoys hiking, running, he does lots of running, biking, and swimming, and has completed numerous half marathons, marathons, triathlons, and including an Ironman triathlon. I'm telling you, this guy, he's, he's unstoppable. <laughs> Welcome to Visibly Fit, Dr. Loomis. How are you? What a resume. You wear me out with all that, right? <laughs> Seriously. Oh my goodness. I'm like, and then, the, and then, then this, and then this, and this, but you know what you have, you have put in the work and, um, you have helped so many people because of, of your willingness to, to dive in deeper and to learn more and to grow in this space. And so thank you. Oh, and, thank you. um, for coming on the show and, and spend this time with us, we were just together just a couple of weeks ago. Um, right here, I've got my little mug in my hand oh, yeah. at the, at the healthy retreat, the whole food market, healthy retreat in, um, Tampa. And, um, yeah, that was fun. That was a great week helping, um, and serving those, um, people that were attending and you were really teaching a lot uh, on, on men's health this particular week, but I know you teach on several different topics. Um, so I want to dive in first before we start, you know, asking these questions that are looming over many people's heads, like they hear this and then this, and they get very confused on, on what do I really do? Because their doctor may tell them one thing and then they hear something else on the news. I want to hear your story. I mean, I, I know your story cause we're friends, but I want people to know who you are and how you even got started in, in the whole food plant-based movement to begin with, because you have a great story. Thank you. And it was fun last week. It's really amazing to see the transformation that many of the attend participants made, even in just a short time. I mean, yes, uh, it's really incredible. Yeah. So, and, you know, going to medical school, as you probably well know, we, we really don't learn anything about nutrition um, other than some glorified biochemistry, right? It was maybe a couple hours and, you know, we learned what a protein was and what a vitamin was. And then we learned all the diseases you get when you don't have enough of those things, right? But we didn't learn anything about lifestyle, food, meaningful about exercise, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I always, I, I was interested in, in nutrition and I'd been a fairly active, I'd ran, I ran track in college and I'd been a fairly successful road runner, marathon or 10K during med school. So I was always interested in eating healthy, but what I thought was eating healthy at the time was, were things like low fat dairy and lean meat and plenty of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and try not to eat too much ice cream. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and that's what I talked to my patients about, and, you know, and, you know, in retrospect, part of the disconnect from that was, you know, our brains are very good at moderating the trees, but we're not very good at moderating seeing the forest. Right. And what I mean right. by that is, you know, Monday, the nurses might bring cookies in the office and Tuesday I might have a donut in the doctor's lounge and Wednesday I might go out for a cheeseburger and Thursday it's someone's birthday and a cake and ice cream. But then Friday comes around and I'm thinking, wow, I ate really healthy this week. I only had cookies once, right? Right. So, and not recognizing that a lot of little bad choices are bad choices. And, and about 10 years ago, I was playing with my dog and I tore the meniscus in my knee and I was really busy. 
and, and I had to wait a few months to get surgery. And so I couldn't move, couldn't exercise. And I started to gain weight because again, you come to find out you literally can't outrun a mediocre diet, despite what you may hear. Right. No. Then I had the surgery done finally. And because my leg had gotten weak from not using it, I didn't do the rehab because doctors are terrible patients. Right. And so I gained yes. more weight. And next thing you know, I actually developed atrial fibrillation, which is a fairly serious irregular heart rhythm. And it turns out the reason I had atrial fibrillation is I had developed sleep apnea, um, mm-hmm. which is a condition associated with oftentimes with weight gain, where I literally stopped breathing at night and that caused the oxygen in your blood to drop low. And that was triggering the heart rate, irregular heart rhythm. So that finally motivated me to go see my internist, my doc, my primary care doctor. Well, my cholesterol was through the roof. I had borderline diabetes. I had borderline blood pressure. Uh, I had I already suffered lifelong allergies and asthma. So I'm collecting doctors in St. Louis. And these are friends of mine, literally world-class physicians, smartest, some of the smartest people I know. They're treating me exactly like I treat all my patients, right? So I'm on pills right. for my heart. I'm on a really sexy CPAP machine to wear at night. Yeah. I'm, you know, on pills for my cholesterol. I'm, I'm headed toward diabetes, on and on and on. And, and I was kind of lost because I'm like, I know this isn't right, but I don't know what I don't know what the answer is, right? So I'm I'm just kind of muddling through. And one day I was laying on the couch, flipping through Netflix, and I saw Forks Over Knives, the documentary about using yeah. food as medicine. And, you know, I, I knew what a vegan, I mean, I, I'd heard of a vegan, right? Sure. But to me, my perception of, of, of that was someone who, you know, ate granola and hugged trees. Totally. And right. and et cetera. <laughs> it wasn't my gig. But, but really the idea of using food as medicine, just I was like, wow, that, that makes so much sense. Went back to the office next day. I was on the faculty at WashU at the time, got on the library website, looked at some of the primary research that afternoon. And next day, I, I told my, my, my significant other at the time, I said, I, I want to do this plant-based diet and, and see what happens. So made a commitment to not only to go on a plant-based diet, but also to rehab my knee, which I really hadn't done. I was about three or four months post-op. It was in July, 2011. Well, in four months, without really any change in physical activity, other than knee rehab, I lost almost 50 pounds. My cholesterol dropped 100 points. My sleep apnea went away. The AFib went away. My yes. lifelong allergies went away. You know, off all meds, et cetera, et cetera. It, it was, it was nothing short of miraculous. And you know, and, and yet you that's know, the I power could exercise of food. Again. It is, yeah. <laughs> you know, I could exercise again, and and you know, as you know, the story goes on. I, I actually to celebrate my 60th birthday. Uh, a few years ago, I'll be 63 years so shortly in a couple months. You know, I did a full Ironman triathlon, and Amazing. and you know, I'm not suggesting people need to be doing Ironman to be triathlon to be healthy. But what I am suggesting, when people, when we can truly find balance between our physical health through movement, our emotional health through stress management and sleep, and our nutritional health through it, at a minimum, a plant strong diet, our bodies are capable of remarkable things, and and we 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 do so many things to get in our own way of, of our own health. Yeah, no, you're so right. And I, I'm so glad, first of all, that, that you're on because first of all, I mean, you're a doctor, you're like everyone counts on what their doctor tells them. And so the fact that you yourself had this revelation as someone that was prescribing people meds all the time, and you were being prescribed meds, it just speaks volume. And so I'm just so thrilled that you're sharing your story. So thank you, because it, it is um, miraculous. And yet, it's not like that's how God intended it. That's how he intended, you know, for us to eat the foods that he's provided and and our bodies will heal. Right. Well, so it's interesting because because, you know, as I was trying to educate myself even further, as I was going through these really dramatic changes in my own personal health, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, why? 
why is a plant-based diet so powerful? Why is exercise so powerful? I, I really did a deep dive into to, to all this. And, and, and what I realized was we make healthy living way too complicated. Yes, right? we do. Yeah. Because if you think about human physiology, human behavior, human nutritional needs, human stress response, human sleep needs, kind of through the lens of our evolutionary biology, right? And ask the mm -hmm. simple question, as human beings, what did we evolve to do? Right. Well, like any living creature, all those things evolved to facilitate us living long enough to find a mate and pass on our DNA. And again, that's true for any living creature. And for and, and so for most of human history, the two primary tasks we had to be able to accomplish for that to occur was the ability to find food when we're starving and try not to be someone else's food when they're starving. Right. That was where our stress came from. And we had to respond to that stress through physical activity. So again, we evolved to be physically active. You look at the biomechanics of your feet and ankles, our cardiorespiratory physiology, our metabolism, nutrition, and even our stress response, right? We have adrenaline to get us ready to perform activity, cortisol to help us recover. And assuming we survived, that's when we'd rest, recover, and refuel. And we refuel with whatever we can find around us on a given day, which was mostly unrefined plants, right? We didn't have dairy products because we hadn't domesticated other mammals yet. We did eat meat. It just wasn't very much. And it came from wild animals, not what's now become processed food. And that cycle of stress, activity, recovery, that's how we built resilience. That's how you get stronger and faster and smarter and can do more things. You know, all is good. No, let's fast forward to the modern world. You know, most of us don't do any of that, right? No, and those the 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 stress, the cortisol is being released like crazy because people's adrenalines. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's exactly exactly right. You know, we don't have to spend energy to get energy, right? We've right. got Uber Eats, Instacart, grocery stores, restaurants. The kinds of energy and nutrients we consume bears little to no resemblance to what we're supposed to be eating. To to your point, we're not run, we're not running and fighting physically anymore. We're right. running and fighting emotionally. Most of us aren't worried about starving and by leopards. We're worried about jobs and money and relationships, relationships and family, yeah. and COVID, and <laughs> politics, exactly. On and on. And, and, and then we compare. But your body doesn't know the difference. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So yeah. so so you know, and then we don't recover from the stress because we can't sleep at night because our minds racing around from all that extra adrenaline. And so you know, on and on and on. So so that's the reason why the key to being healthful leading a healthful life is to replicate the lifestyle we are designed to lead. Yeah, so what does that it's mean? It's really that you know, simple. We need to move around 30 to 60 minutes most days, a couple of days a week, we need to replicate, picking stuff up, moving it out of the way. And a, and a quick comment about that is, so, again, something I was in Saudi Arabia recently speaking at a conference, and, and I kind of did a deeper dive into physical activity. And, and this is such a simple concept, but, but it was eye-opening when I really started to think about it. As I mentioned a minute ago, we evolved. We had to be physically active to survive. It wasn't something we decided to do. If right. you didn't hunt and gather food or you didn't run away from my leopards, you didn't last very long, right? Or, yeah, right. Well, now, can. as I said a minute ago, we don't have to do that anymore, right? So physical activity in many ways has devolved into what we now call exercise. Exercise. Where it's become a discrete event, right? We feel like we have to put on special clothes and go to a special place and do a special thing. Yeah. Starts and stops. We tend to that or nothing. People right? treat it like a curse word, right? right that's right. That's right. And <laughs> No, exactly. And so, so not recognizing there's lots of ways to incorporate physical activity into your daily routine, which may not involve exercise. I mean, think about it. How would you explain to your great, great, great grandfather that because we sit around in front of a computer all day, that you pay money to go to a place you really don't want to go, wear clothes <laughs> you really don't want to wear, and get on machines you really don't want to get on without sounding like you're insane, right? And that's, right. that's what it is. That's what exercise has become in the modern world. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, then we need to refuel ourselves with mostly plants and we need to get a good night's sleep and not stress out and not drink too much and not smoke. And that's 
Right. It's really simple. It is, Jim, but we make it more difficult. And obviously, um, with the addictive nature of most foods that are processed, it's it's sometimes, um, you know, not their fault kind of a thing. No, that's right. No, that's exactly so, right. So, but let's let's go back to what you first said when we, we started the conversation. You were kind of talking about you were doing eating a cookie in moderation and having this and having that and thinking, ah, it wasn't so bad. I think that that's how the majority of people think. I, I'm, I eat pretty healthy. Well, I always tell my patients that moderation kills momentum, but moderation uh, kills more than than momentum, right? So they, some people think, "Ooh, what's what's the big deal? I'll have a cheat meal or I have a cheat day." What's your take on that? Well, so <clears throat> here's the problem with that, and it has to do with do with the way our brains dis, are designed. You yep. know, Dr. Doug Lyle talked a little about this last week. I, I, I think I, 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 it's the same idea, just just framed a little bit differently. Yeah. You know, what makes this so hard for most people is something we don't talk about. I'm talking about behavior change, eating healthier. And it is it's a simple fact. Eating is a learned behavior. Yes. Once you learn it, you stop thinking about it. And, and that's by evolutionary design as well. I mean, think about walking. If you had to think about walking, contract my quad, flex my hip, bend my knee, you would have walked right past the right berries. You wouldn't have seen the leopard. You wouldn't have lasted very long, right? So our brains evolved the mechanism. We habituate a task, whether it be walking, you know, eating in the modern world, even driving very quickly, our subconscious brain takes over and that's to allow our conscious brain to scan the environment for opportunities and threats. So with food, all the foods you like, the foods you don't like triggers to stop eating triggers to stop eating that stuff you learned a long time ago. And then we stopped thinking about it. I mean, think about white bread, right? White bread's not very healthy. Oh my gosh. You remember that wonder bread that you would take away from the crust and make into a ball? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so, <laughs> If the environmental trigger you learn to eat white bread is the waiter dumping that basket on the table at the restaurant, at that moment in time, you don't have to think about eating the bread. You have to think about not eating the bread. And if you're tired of thinking, you don't have any more willpower left. You're tired of thinking. Exactly. (laughs) And there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. Because that is the way our brains work. And so, so, so that's one of the problems with moderation because so many of our subconscious choices occur outside of our conscious world. We don't even know what we're moderating at the time, right? Because right. what happens is patients come in and they say, oh, you know, doc, I'm doing this plant-based thing and I, my, my blood sugars aren't much better. And I don't understand. So I asked, what'd you have for dinner last night? Oh, we went to a nice restaurant. I had a quinoa kale salad. It was really healthy. But, but what's not on the list? The four or five pieces of bread that slathered in olive oil waiting for the food to get there. Right. It's subconscious and it, and it, and it, and it, and it, um, occurred outside of our conscious awareness. Now you can change that. Yes, you can. But it's hard, right? And so driving is another example. Yeah. No, well, so, so driving is another example of thing we something we do without thinking, right? Which is a scary thought if you think yeah, about right, it. Yeah, right, right. But you, know, you don't put on your blinker and you don't think about putting on your blinker and your brake. But there's a reason for that, right? That's to allow our conscious brain to not be preoccupied with every time you have to tap the brake so you can scan the environment for opportunity threat for cars yeah, or in the red sense. light, right? Right. right. So what would happen tomorrow if you moved to London and you want to drive a car? You'd have well, to learn how to drive. It's on the other side. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Learn a different way. Right. And it would take you three to six months. Every time you get in that car, you got to be mindful of what side of the road am I on? What side of the pedestrians come through the crosswalk? How right. am I going through the roundabout? And then one day it might, you know, might be three months, might be six months. You get in the car and guess what? That's how you drive, right? Now, if someone said, do you miss driving on that other side of the road? You'd say, well, that's a silly question because I don't drive that way anymore. So really what this is about, it's about teaching yourself to drive on a different side of the road nutritionally, right? I love that. And by the way, good. by the way, you wouldn't drive on the wrong side of the road in moderation. Now, would you? 
Exactly. Because you would only Go have gym. a moderate number See, of head-on collisions and run over a moderate number of pedestrians. Every time you eat that ice cream, every time you eat that piece of bacon, every time you eat that cheeseburger, every time you eat that cookie, you are running over the endothelial lining of your blood vessels. You're running over your prostate cells, your colon cells, your breast cells, <clears> you know, et cetera, your pancreas, et cetera, et cetera. So give me a virtual high five, please. Yeah. Because, <laughs> come on. This is something that I share all the time, but I needed someone else, uh, the listeners to hear it from a doctor not just a naturopath. I need someone to, to, to stand with me on this. So thank you. That's perfect. I love that analogy. That's so cool. All right. So, so let's, I've got several questions because I get these questions all the time myself. So the first one we're going to tap into, um, because a lot of people say, well, you know, with, with brain health and, you know, with Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, I've been really told that I need to have MCT oil and I need to add that. Um, so, What's your take on MCT oil? So where where did the omega-3 fatty acids in salmon, for example, or fish oil, where did that come from? It what came from what the fish ate, It came right? from the fish ate, right. What, yeah, yeah. But what is, what, where, so if you follow the food chain, where does it ultimately come to? From marine algae phytoplankton and, and algae, yeah. which is plants, right? Right. So, it's, so, so in fact, all these fishy, fatty fishes are just serving as the middleman. Yet yeah, you are correct. We do need omega threes for brain health, right? And for good skin. Um, <laughs> we yeah, exactly. talked about but, that but, last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but, but when we try to get it artificially through fish oil or MCT oil and all that, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, that this is the this is an example of what T. Colin Campbell calls nutritional reductionism, right? We, we stop talking about food and we start talking about what food's made out of. Right. And, and so when we get our um, omega threes from hemp seeds or flax yeah. seeds, yes. or chia seeds, what else do we get in addition to those healthy, you know, medium chain triglycerides and omega threes? What else do we you get? get? You're getting we get fiber, fiber. You're getting get protein. Fat. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So, so I'm, I'm very much a minimalist. Yes. When it comes to supplements. Now, that being said, I, I think there is a role for omega-3 supplements. Sure. Um, I think athletes probably reasonable. Anyone that suffers from any kind of chronic in, inflammatory disease, probably reasonable. If you're really concerned about brain health, it, it's a kind of a complicated physiology that the key here, really, it's not necessarily. So, so the key here is to, to balance your omega-6 intake with your omega-3s. Right. right. So omega-6s right. are inflammatory, omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. It's felt the op is or anti. So sixes are inflammatory, omega threes are anti-inflammatory. It's felt the optimum dietary ratio is in the three to one range, less than five to one, probably two to three one. Standard Western diet, sixty to one, somewhere in there. An unhealthy wow. vegan diet with a lot of edible oils, 20, 30 to one. And the problem is that when we overconsume omega sixes, we create this inflammatory milieu with inside ourselves. Now you might say, well, why don't I just take some fish oil or, or MCT oil, or whatever, to bring that ratio back into balance. Well, first of all, if your ratio is 10 to one, the amount of fish oil you'd have to take is a lot. Um, yeah, right. But more importantly, um, we can't convert it. When, when we're taking in too much omega-6, we can't convert our the omega-3s to the to the prostaglandins, the, the ALA and all that, the precursors to the, the um, anti-inflammatory compounds. So you have to not only get your omega-6 con level intake down, and that's mainly meat and dairy, but even edible oils, um, olive oil, for example, 16 sure. to 3, somewhere in there. Um, but you also have to increase your omega-3. So now if you're really good, if you follow a strict no-oil plant-based diet, then you can probably get by without the omega-3s. 
industries. But but most people find that very dairy. I mean, oils are so ubiquitous in our food today. That's very difficult to do if you go out to restaurants and things like that. So there is a they're role for small doses of omega threes. Yeah, that's they're right. in just yeah. about everything. I mean, you have to really look and read the ingredient label um, right. to to avoid it and and just make your own whole foods and then you don't have to, you know, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> whole food, veggie burgers, bean burgers, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you for answering that because that's uh, one that I get a lot and that's wonderfully, um, stated. Now here's another question, of course, that I get a lot and it's because marketing is, you know, fantastic right now around the ketogenic diet. Um, what's your take on the ketogenic lifestyle? So, so let's back up for a minute and say, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, so why did, so, so our, let me, so our brains um, evolved to use glucose as fuel, yep. right? And we can't store glucose in our brain. So we have to lot rely on, uh, on glucose in our blood uh, to maintain enough energy for our brains to function. Our brains are energy hogs. They, they use a lot, it, it, despite, you know, there's a huge mismatch in how much space our brains take up and how much energy they use. And um, the major source, the major source of stored uh, um, glucose for the brain is primarily liver. We, we, there's, we also store glycogen in our muscles. That's primarily for exercise. We use the, the liver, though, as kind of this sugar glucose sink to keep our brain supply. So when we start to starve to death, when we run out of food, right, mm-hmm. um, we will keep using this glu- glucose, this glycogen. And eventually, over time, that it'll run out. And so our brains evolved the mechanism as a last stand, the last ditch effort to keep going, to find more food before you starve, the ability to burn ketone bodies yep. as, the, as the last kind of, again, last stand before you die. And ketone bodies are generated by the breakdown of our own muscle cells primarily, right? So, mm-hmm. so we can, can, we can start to break down when we run out of glycogen, we can break down our, our, the protein in our muscles and that creates ketone bodies. So the original ketogenic diet was starvation, right? Um, so it was un- um, unintentional. It was an it, unintentional. Right. It was diet. the last, it was again, it was the last ditch effort, right? right? So, so the idea that we should, we should create a ketotic state through dietary manipulation doesn't make any sense at all. No. Then there may be some benefit to intermittent fasting. So, so there's nothing yes. wrong with getting a little ketotic during a fast. And there may be, that's a whole different, you know, the whole idea about intermittent fasting, that's a whole, that's another whole hour. That's talk. a whole nother podcast. Right. We'll do that right, another right. time. <laughs> yeah. But, but there is, there may be some advantage to that, but, but trying to create a ketotic state, um, by dietary manipulation causes a whole host of downstream problems. The high protein that you need to consume has been linked with mid, almost across the board with increased risk for cancer. Um, the high fat that you have to consume has been increased with, you know, it raises your cholesterol, increases risk for heart disease, on and on and on. But people are just that, looking at the short term, not the long game. Exactly. That is that is exactly right. And, and yeah. so what's interesting is though, uh, it's, it's kind of, there, there's, it's kind of gained some favor in the diabetes community. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is research that if you go on a ketogenic diet, your sugars will get better. And, and that's true. But, but let me explain why, because I think this is important. And, and this ex- explain why the longer term benefits of a ketogenic diet are not so good. You know, most doctors. So, so the way I think about type two diabetes is the way you know, think about your kitchen sink. Right. So imagine this morning you walked into your kitchen and the drain was clogged and left the water. On, OK. And the water's overflowing onto the floor. So how do you fix it? 
you got a mop, mop up the water. You might need another mop. You might need a third mop. You finally get all the water up. You put your mops away. Well, guess what? When you come back this afternoon, tomorrow morning, you got to get the mops back out because you haven't really fixed the problem. Well, that's exactly how most doctors are taught to treat type 2 diabetes, right? We got mm-hmm. them at sugars on the floor. We got a metformin mop, add a Genuvi mop, get an insulin right. mop. Metformin the, mops the main away. one. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's not the problem, right? The problem right. is that the drain's clogged and the water, you left the water. So what's clogging the drain? Well, it's actually fat which is deposited in those muscle and liver cells, which has made them resistant to insulin. Insulin is how we get the sugar into the muscle and liver cells to store as glycogen that we talked about a minute ago. The water is all the processed sugar and processed grains and all that, which is driving the need for insulin, right? right. So, so that's exactly why a very high fiber, low fat diet, plus a little exercise is such a powerful tool in the treatment prevention and reversal of type 2 diabetes, okay? Now, ketogenic diet, your sugars get better, but why? Because you've turned off the water. But in fact, you are clogging the drain worse when you go on a ketogenic diet. And when pe- people, most people can't see, you can't sustain a ketogenic diet for very long because it makes you feel terrible. You get nauseated and on and on. Right. So when you refeed after a ketogenic diet, do you think your insulin resistance gets better or worse? It's oh, worse. definitely worse. worse. Yeah. Right. So that's why a ketogenic diet is not the long-term solution to any medical issue, including type two diabetes. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, and some people that go on it aren't, aren't diabetic at all. They're just after that oh, right. quick fix of losing weight, right? right? It's not. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Okay. Well, I'm glad we touched on that. And then the other thing that I hear often whenever I put my patients on whole food plant-based is, oh, you know, lectins, you know, there's a, a few people out there really talking about lectins and that's the, the carbohydrate that, that binds proteins and, and how that's really, uh, not good to consume. And so what's your take on that? Well, so, you know, the, the people claim lectins are anti-nutrients because they, that phytates are another one, same, same thing. They, right. you know, they, they bind to nutrients and prevent their absorption. So um, plant-based foods, especially legumes do have a fair number of phytates and lectins and things like that. But when you cook, like when you cook beans, for example, yeah, guess what? The lectins and phytates go away. And when was the last time you ate a raw dried bean? I mean, you don't, right? Well, and, unless and, you broke and so, a tooth. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, so there is absolutely no scientific evidence that I'm aware of that, right. that in any way, shape or form, lectins and phytates have some adverse effect on your health. I mean, you know, you look at the blue zone data. So, you know, as you know, the blue zones, right? So yeah. six or seven communities around the world exceptional longevity. So it's places like Icaro in Greece and the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica and Okinawa and Sardinia in Italy. And, and interestingly enough, Loma Linda, California, which is kind of an outlier, um, which is interesting. But if you do a Venn diagram about what's common about those communities, plant predominant diet, legumes is the primary source of protein. They're physically active. They don't smoke. They have strong family and social and spiritual connections. It doesn't make sense to me if somehow lectins were bad, that they would be the primary source of protein for for these blue zone communities, right? You know, I've been plant-based for 10 years, 11 years now. Um, I I run, swim, bike, did an Ironman. I'm not nutrient deficient, I can promise you. (laughs) Right. No, that's so good. But you know, people are seeing the studies, they're seeing the marketing with that and with keto diet. And, and so it's very confusing for people when they're seeing that pop up on their, you know, social media feed or in their, in their, um, email news, uh, in their emails. So, you know, I just kind of want to clear that up for everybody. So that's good. All right. So when we were at the, uh, the healthy retreat, uh, working together there on the team, um, you 
spoke a little bit about beets, and I'm going to bring that up and let you talk about beets. Um, definitely the men will want to perk their ears up on this one, but, um, but maybe the women want to know this too, and they'll start serving their men beets. <laughs> so, so I first discovered the power of beets um, by listening to Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. Yeah. So Dr. Esselstyn, as you know, is a, is a, a very a prominent physician, one of the kind of found one of the leaders, if you will, in the plant-based community. He's done a lot of work with people with heart disease. And, and so one of the first things that happens when we get heart disease is they, they start to have what's called endothelial dysfunction. So the endothelium is the single cell lining of the blood vessel and it, and it controls the blood vessels ability to contract and dilate. And it turns out that nitric oxide is a very potent, um, 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 a very potent stimulator of, of, of the endothelium to help maintain endothelial function. So when we have lots of nitric nitrates around nitric oxide, that will let the blood vessel dilate when it's supposed to and constrict when it's when it's supposed to. And when it can't do that, th- that can damage the endothelium and things like that. So, so there's there were some studies looking at there's been numerous studies looking at the effect of beets on athletic performance because. Obviously, if you can deliver more blood flow to the muscles, then you're going to be able to go longer and faster and, and, and such and recover faster because you're washing things out. And there's evidence actually that that beats um, um, may increase endurance performance. Beat loading may actually increase endurance performance by 10 to 20 percent, believe it or not. That's pretty wow. significant. Wow, that is. So one, one of the other areas where we need, you know, endothelial function is, mm-hmm. uh, is, is in men is erectile function, right? Right. And in right. fact, it's been shown now it's well established now that, that erectile dysfunction is actually the canary in the coal mine for heart disease because mm-hmm. the, the penile arteries, you know, this big, tiny arteries, this big. Mm-hmm. So if you get a 50% blockage in this artery, you're going to be symptomatic. You can't get that blood flow in where right. a 50% blockage in this artery, you don't, you don't know it yet. Right. That, that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah. so, so, um, um, that's a case where size does matter. Um, yeah. the, <laughs> right. blood vessel. But, size so, the blood vessel, yeah. yeah, but, but that's where, um, and, and so, so there's a lot of evidence that beets can help improve. It's like nature's Viagra. Uh, there are other foods, arugula and kale, rhubarb, mm-hmm. um, all have high levels of nitrates, but, but it's very interesting. Um, you know, nature's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, the way we're designed, it's, it's not like we need to eat one food or do one thing for to, to lower your risk for heart disease and another thing to improve your sexual function, another thing to not get diabetes, another thing to manage your weight, another thing for brain health. It's all the same stuff, right? Yeah, it Which is. It's just the amazing thing. I mean, you know, we oftentimes practice health reductionism, right? We treat erectile dysfunction with, I mean, think about it. Here, here's another way to frame all this. If I put, if you were on blood pressure pills or cholesterol pills or Viagra or whatever, right? And you were having a side effect of one of those medicines. Would you want me as your doctor to give you another drug to treat the side effect? Absolutely not. But that's what happens all the time. But you, but you want me to change the medicine, right? Oh, that's what pro- most people would want you to yeah, do. Yeah. Yes. Every single one of those drugs is treating the side effect of the most powerful medicine you have to take, which is the food that food. you eat. So instead of giving Viagra for erectile dysfunction, which is a side effect of the food, why don't we change the medicine, change the food? Instead of giving metformin to treat type 2 diabetes, why don't we, which is a side effect of the food, why don't we change the food? Eat beets. Turn the beet around. On and on and on and on, right? Yeah. And so, 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 I mean, it really is that simple. It is. It is. I think... Okay, so let's talk about that because it really is simple. And yes, I mean, I've been whole food plant-based for a decade myself. And so I know that people going into it 
don't see it as it being so simple. They think it's really hard uh, to do. So uh, what would you say the biggest like hidden pitfall that um, most people or, or some people experience um, with going on a whole food plant-based lifestyle is, especially with your patients that you work with? Yeah. So first of all, I think there's a lot of confusion these days uh, in particular, because um, as the, as the interest in plant-based foods have gone up, there's a lot of conflation these days between vegan foods and plant-based foods. Yeah. Right. right? And, 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 you know, veganism comes from a place of compassion, which is important. Uh, Certainly something I wasn't aware of. I think we all have cognitive dissonance around our our food and where it really comes from. Um, But, but, um, and so, so a lot of plant, so, so it's about compassion. So don't eat, don't hurt, don't harm other creatures. So don't eat them, don't wear them, don't use products tested on them. Uh, unfortunately, there, there's a lot of really unhealthy food that's vegan, right? right. White flour is right. vegan, sugar is vegan, Oreos yeah. are vegan. And a good example, you know, vegan ice cream, vegan cupcakes. And all and the example, new some, um, exactly. uh, meats that are Plant coming burgers, out. Exactly. Plant-based so, meat, know, yeah. Yeah. Junk so, food. so, you know, impossible burgers are better for the cow. They're a little bit, they're better for the environment. They're a little bit better for you compared to a hamburger, but in no way, shape or form are they, are they a, a health food? So yeah. I have a lot of patients who get tripped up in this kind of vegan, you know, yeah. where they, they, they perceive that, oh, if it's vegan, it must be healthy. And, and so that I have to kind of dispel that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Oreos are, are vegan. No, that's, <laughs> right, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and so, so that's one thing is just understanding exactly what a whole food plant-based diet is. Right. And I think the other thing, um, you know, I mean, certainly much easier now than it was. Yeah. Because it's becoming popular for sure. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you, you can go to almost any restaurant and, and find some option that's not, you know, steamed white rice and, and limp carrots or something, which is what, you know, you go and ask for plant, you know, vegetarian meal in the past. So that's helpful. There's a lot of great cooking channels and, you know, my friend Karen, our friend Karen. Yes. You guys great, are our so, um, chef in the dock, right? Chef yeah, and doc right, exactly. on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. We're coming out. Yeah. It's coming soon. Cool. So, but, but, so, but there's, it's very accessible now educating yourself. So, so I think that's part of it. Um, you know, there are some people will experience some transient and GI upset. It's very common. Um, and, 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 and again, you know, you don't go into the gym and start lifting. If, if you're just getting started at the gym, you don't, you don't put, you know, 200 pounds on the dumbbell and start to lift. You ease yeah. your way into it. It's going to take a while for the gut microbiome so, to catch up. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you start out, you know, kind of ease yourself into it. And, and th- this is a journey, not a, this is not the end. It's a journey, right? Yeah. And so every, every healthful, every bite of food you put in your mouth, that's more helpful than yesterday is a step in the right direction. That's right. So, that's encouraging. So, yeah. So that's what I tell patients is just, you know, one day at a time and just, you know, make, try to make healthier choices. Start out by taking, you know, one, you know, cut back to one meat based meal a day or yeah. one meat based meal every couple of days or, you know, meatless Mondays or whatever, and slowly but surely replace foods that are less helpful with those that are more helpful, you know, clean, get your pantry cleaned out, start thinking about, what you're, what you're going to do. And then the other thing is, um, gets back to what we talked about in the very beginning. So many of our food behaviors are driven by these subconscious cues and environmental cues, but emotional cues play a very strong role in all this. And and so, you know, many of us turn to food for emotional comfort and, and it's sugar that typically gives us that. And there's reason for that, that, you know, if, we evolved to prefer things that are sugary. And the reason, one of the reasons it's, 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 it's uh, postulated is that if it was sweet, it probably wasn't poisonous. Mm. 
Um, and so we, so our brains evolved Never the mechanism like when, that, we, yeah. when we think about, because if it's bitter, you know, the alkaloids in food that make them bitter are, are actually the plant's mechanisms to protect them from predators, right? Sure. Um, and so, so our brains evolved a mechanism. We see, anticipate something sweet. We, we actually secrete dopamine in our brains um, and, and which makes us crave that or want that. Um, we also crave things that are fat, fatty, right? And again, this is all this evolved in a world of calorie scarcity, right? Right. So, so every gram of fat has nine calories compared to four calories for carbohydrate or protein. So if I'm trying to get as many calories as I can to survive till tomorrow, every, you know, every gram of food that I can find that's fat as opposed to carbohydrate and protein is twice as many calories. So I'm twice as likely to live till tomorrow. Right. We, we have an, we have a, we have a, um, inborn preference to spend as little energy as possible to get more energy because if I need a thousand calories to survive tomorrow and I don't spend any, have to spend any energy, I only have to find a thousand calories. If I have to find, if I have to spend a thousand to get the thousand, I got to find 2000, right? So think about what that means in the modern world. It means the drive through at Krispy Kreme is the most highly evolved energy source on the planet. And these, you already mentioned these food companies know that, and we're surrounded by these choices. We've learned these bad choices. And so, so really addressing some of the emotional components of eating is very, very important. If you're going to have long-term success, there's nothing stress eating is normal, right? Yeah. So when we, when we suffer stress, we have adrenaline to get us ready to perform activity, but cortisol's job is to help us recover. That's why we give cortisone shots, but it also can stimulate our appetite and preference to store. We eat is belly fat because it's trying to help you refill the gas tank before you fight the next leopard. But when we're doing that emotionally, not physically, we never empty the gas tank. So there's stress eating is a normal response to stress. There's nothing wrong with stress eating. But understanding that and not beating yourself up and finding alternatives to eat when you feel stressed out, that's the key here, right? So it's, yeah, it's really con connecting that you're, you know, again, it's understanding what's driving you to, to eat certain foods, whether they're learned behaviors that you need to relearn, whether it's learned behaviors around, around the environment, around, um, around emotions that are driving you to make these choices. So when you educate yourself and learn about that, it makes it much easier to understand when you slip up and things don't go well that that understand why so you can make a better choice the next day but again as i said earlier it's only hard for three to six months after that you know i would um, say just a couple of weeks you know your 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 taste buds your palate starts to change i mean yeah. you know so the, it's I the mean, emotional hard. eating yeah it's the, oh, it's the, the emotional, emotional eating yeah, part yeah, yeah. that takes that three to six months and so you the know neurological uh exactly. the grooves right right in the brain right so okay i'm <laughs> What about, do you ever work with um, patients that are like, okay, Dr. Loomis, I, I, I'm on board. I want to get on this whole food plant-based lifestyle, but I want to gain weight. Like I am, I'm tiny. I don't, I don't want to lose weight. I'm not in that place. Have you ever worked with anyone? We see this a lot in athletes too, who don't yeah. want to lose weight. Right. And they, they, they go on a play place and they lose weight and they, they, they you know, it's the opposite of what they want. Right. So, so there are ways to maintain and gain weight healthfully. Um, um, you just have to be a little bit careful uh, because you don't want to overconsume fat. Um, right. I think you can certainly be a little more liberal with things like nuts and 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 and, and things like that, avocados, as you're trying to to increase that, increase your your weight. So for many of those folks, it really involves you have to be pretty diligent about because because as you know, whole food plant based foods are highly, um, uh, they're very nutrient dense, right? So so there are lots of fiber and you get full, right? So, right. so sometimes so it's hard to eat a lot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So for those people, and, and I had trouble when I was training for Ironman toward the end, because I, you know, I was exercising two to three hours every single day and six to eight hours on the weekend, every, every day, right. Wow. I'm burning 
four or 5,000 calories a day. And I was tr having trouble with, toward the end, kind of keeping on the weight that I needed to do. So, you know, lots of snacks. I, I used a lot of like pretzel filled peanut butter. I used, uh, I, I did a lot of smoothies, snacks, things, you know, I had smoothies um, sure. in between meals, things like that. Ate a lot, had a bowl of fruit on my desk, uh, ate a lot of hummus, um, you know, kept that around. So, so I set myself up where I had healthful snacks they were maybe a little bit more high calorie, but not nothing crazy. I didn't, you know, I didn't put olive oil on everything and I right, didn't right. eat fried foods. It was all healthful. But, but, but you were but, eating more often, obviously, not more just often, right? That's meals. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. And I think that's the key, really, is fine. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I think you can be a little bit more liberal with nut butters and nuts and avocados. Those are the ones that are really going to give you more bang for your buck. Now, you know, sure. you know, now because you've got really high cholesterol or type 2 diabetes, it's a little more delicate line to walk. But but uh, it's certainly manageable, and and uh, sometimes I would have patients track things using something like Chronometer or My, My Fitness Pal or Lose It, just to get a feel for um, um, exactly how many calories they were burning and how many calories they need, so we can create. Sure. And we have we have dietitians actually work with in the practice uh, who are plant based, and 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 our dietitian now Karen Smith is actually a marathon run, very accomplished marathon runner, so she's in tune with with all. Of that and so you know I, I oftentimes i just refer them to see her yeah. to help them put help her put together a meal plan if you will yeah that's great well because yeah some people are just serious calorie burners like right. they're thinking i do not want to lose any more weight and i want to gain muscle and, and actually my husband's one of them i mean he he <laughs> he burns through the calories in a day even just mental mental space he burns through those right. calories so that's good news um okay Let's just kind of end this um, interview with something fun. What is something, what, what's something you'd like to share with my audience that maybe not too many people know about you? It's, I don't know, hmm. you play an uh, instrument? You, you, no, uh, I don't play an instrument. <laughs> Do I, you want um, to? <laughs> no, I'd love to play an instrument. I, you know, I think some people are musically uh, gifted. Yeah. I happen to be musically challenged. I like music, <laughs> but I can't play. Um I did take up an interesting hobby over the thing. I started collecting stamps. So oh, did you really? I did. I did. I, I've always loved geography and history. And during the pandemic, I, I knew I needed to get a hobby because, you know, just stuck here in the apartment all the time. And, you know, I wasn't going to the office and I used to collect stamps. So I started collecting stamps. And that's been fun. That that really helps me. You know, I put my phone away about eight o'clock, put it in the drawer, put on a little music, get out, you know, get out my, look at the stamps, learn about them, read about them. So that's, that's, that's great. I also, the other thing I love to do, by the way, is uh, that I took up when I moved to DC is I, um, I love to cook. So I teach plant-based cooking classes. I, I did that actually on my own. And now I do most of Karen, but I, I took up foraging. Actually, and that's Karen was, Dugan, by the way, that yes, I had on Karen the podcast. Dugan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. From the center for plant-based living. So I took up foraging. And so there is so much knowledge we are losing in about wild foods that, that, that people have no idea about and and things like purslane purslane is you know, know. You, you probably have seen it and it looks yeah. like it's a weed more vitamin c more nutrients than spinach right oh my gosh i have to tell you a story about that really quick because my husband and i we were out hiking um uh, yellowstone area and we stopped somewhere and we were kind of just depleted in energy and the guy's like hey go get yourself some purslane so man we were chomping on that and it was great <laughs> And you can find it a lot of times they're around like um, stop signs and, and yeah. weird places, but yeah, they do. Yeah. They look like weeds. Weed. So now mm -hmm. when I, when I walk, people see weeds, I see food. Right? Oh, that's so good. Um, yes. And, I, and um, you know, um, 
like, and so I've, I've discovered a lot of really amazing foods that I like to play around with. So around here um, in the fall, I mean, in late summer, August, September, you can find pawpaws, right? So oh, pawpaws yes. are the largest indigenous fruit in North in the United States. And they look like little mangoes uh-huh. and they taste kind of like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, um, they, they taste like a combination of kind of a peach mango. Right. And the reason you don't see them one. in the, the reason you don't see them in the, in the farmer's markets is because they, uh, once they're ripe, they're, they're, they, they're ripe and they don't last very long. You got to eat them pretty quick. Right. Kind of like an avocado. But, yeah, <laughs> you better right, eat it exactly. quick. <laughs> so you, they grow along um, uh, streams, typically the riparian that's called. And so, so down along the Potomac, there's these huge, I mean, literally you could go gather 20 pounds of pawpaws. So, so I, um, I make pawpaw ice cream. What? Um, really? Yeah. So I take the pawpaws and a little light coconut milk and a little bit of vanilla and, and a little bit of maple syrup and some cinnamon. And I put it in the food processor. I freeze. So I, I take the pulse, the, the pulp from the, yep. from the uh, uh, pawpaw and I freeze it. Okay. I harvest it and freeze it. And then I throw it in the in Oh my goodness. That sounds amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I play around. I, I so now I'm, I'm for it. In fact, I've got, I just, I'm going on a hike, a foraging hike this weekend. That um, is so cool. We get morel mushrooms behind yeah, our house. Yeah. 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 So that's the, the morels are just, we're, we're a little bit out of morel season yeah. here, but chanterelles will be coming up and oysters and black trumpets and things so like that. Fun. So that's probably the most fun thing I like to do on the weekends is, um, is go foraging for wild food and okay, you take classes. Cool. You have to be a little bit, you have to kind of know what you're doing. And I'm well, yeah, not, you don't want to get expert. the poisonous. Right. Right. <laughs> All mushrooms of... are edible at least once. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but I have a, there's a, 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 a there's a, a, a great guy here named Matt Cohen here in the DC area that runs Matt's habitats and he runs, you know, small group. Uh, um, I've heard small of him group, actually. Yes, small group. Um, huh. um, 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 foraging hikes. And then I just signed in, signed up for one on, on Sunday. So oh my goodness. I would totally be into that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I come home with these bags of, you know, mold, like mulberries and, and American persimmons and, you know, mushrooms and, and stuff again, chickweed and, and, yeah. and hey, do you ever drink a uh, pine needle tea? We do. I have not had pineapple pine needle tea. I have yes. not had that. Uh, well, I've made really juniper tea though from juniper berries. Okay. All right. Okay. This is fun. This is a whole nother conversation we could have. Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. It, it's just a lot of fun. And again, you know, the amazing thing is there's just so much knowledge just being lost every day as we, as we get uh, lazy and <laughs> well, in the monocrop <laughs> agriculture and on, yeah. on and on, there's a lot of reasons for it. But, but there's so much nutrition just sitting around free for the taking, really. And yeah. I mean, literally after a, a successful foraging weekend, I've, I've got enough food for a week, you know, salads and all that, especially if I have a successful mushroom hunt. So cool. you know, chicken in the woods, things like that. And those are things I can get on my, those I'm comfortable with. So I do a lot of foraging, which has really been a lot of fun. So maybe we'll see you sometime like on Survivor or one of those shows or no, what's that one? Uh, it's called Alone. Have you seen that show? Alone. Yeah, I have. I oh have. my I word. Have. I mean, I, anyway. I, yeah. <laughs> not I, I, there I don't yet. know that I'm not, not well, nor do I think I'd want to be. No, right? no, uh, no. Uh, um, anyway. But I enjoy, you know, I just enjoy cooking and exploring and I I I I I I, I love learning about that stuff. And um, um Well, it's just one more I, thing to add to that incredible resume of yours. Uh, <laughs> so it is what you know. You you are a blessed man and you have blessed us um, immensely. Thank you for sharing your time with us today on visibly fit and thanks for your knowledge. And um, just, yeah, this has been so much fun. Where can people find you? 
Where, what, what's your website? Yeah. So I have a, so if you want information, we do, you know, we, we are, we do uh, telehealth consultations. We've got clinicians now at Barnard Medical Center on lifestyle medicine in about 20 states. So you can go to barnardmedicalcenter.org and read about that. If you're in the DC area, you want to come see one of us, myself, um, give us a, give us a looks. Uh, um, we've also got programming around plant-based diet. A lot of that information is on Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org. We also have a lot of ongoing intermittent programming that we offer through PCRM around plant-based diets, um, which is really fabulous. We have a big conference coming up in, in August, um, which I'm actually going to be speaking at in, here in D.C. Um, cool. And then if you want to follow they me find on you. Yes. Instagram, you. J.F. Loomis, M.D. J.F. Uh, Loomis, M.D. MD. Right. All right. right. Very you know, cool. You're always welcome to hit me up on Facebook, too. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So, yeah, he's yeah. he's uh, yeah, he's he's. You're always so sweet and you're so kind to just respond whenever someone has a question or whenever I reach out. Um, so yeah, you're the real deal. You're authentic and I know you're here to serve. So thank you so very much. Well, uh, God bless. And we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Isn't Dr. Jim Loomis so fun? He is just a plethora of information. Like I could probably ask him any question and he would have an answer. <laughs> um, but I hope that it answered maybe some of your questions that maybe you've had kind of go through your mind regarding health and nutrition and maybe regarding whole food plant-based lifestyle. So hopefully it inspired you. Please share this episode with others that you know that might have these same questions. Um, Dr. Loomis is very knowledgeable and I believe he is great at sharing the analogies and the way he breaks it down and unpacks it so that it's understandable. So um, yeah, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Visibly Fit. Check him out on the websites that he provided and they'll also be in the show notes. But if you are really serious about taking back control or getting control of your health, then check out either my website, wendypet.com or go to getvisiblyfit.com where we can do this together. I have a, a course that I will walk you through, but there's coaching, you get meal plans, grocery lists, exercise routines, um, the whole full gamut and accountability. So let's attack this mind, body, spirit, emotions, and let's get to the root problem and stop just putting a Band-Aid on the situation. So your health matters. You matter. Let's do this. All right. Thanks so much again for tuning in to this episode of Visibly Fit, and we will catch you next time. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. So thank you so much for tuning in. I love spending this time with you. To learn more and get more free resources, just head on over to wendypet.com. And thank you in advance for sharing this episode and this podcast, following and subscribing, not only to this podcast, but finding me on social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are, I'm probably there too. Until next week in our next podcast time together, make it a visibly fit day.